0: For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper.
1: Happy Hum Day, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? There's so much to celebrate today, and I am so excited about our guest today. We are going to be celebrating top 10 list. We are going to be celebrating the Beatles. We are going to be celebrating uh, maybe horror movies. And we are going to be celebrating, most importantly, Charles I, Charles, I can't tell you, I can't put this book down. (laughs) And, And it's one of these books that I just keep going back to over and over and over again. Because first of all, I'm a huge fan of top 10 list. Uh, And uh, I know that this is not your first. Your first was a foray into the world of horror movies. And I did a little research on you. And I know that uh, the world of horror movies and rock music and everything collided when you were a small child. uh, Starting with you first of all seeing The Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. Yes, and then your love of rock music, it all coming together. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and there was a place called Castle Dracula. And you would have loved it, by the way. And uh, because uh, I remember walking through Castle Dracula, and the first time I ever heard, believe it or not, Love Will Keep Us Together uh, was at Castle Dracula because there was a disco Uh, When you walked through the uh, Castle Dracula, which had all these iconic images of all of these uh, ghouls from the movies. And then when you got to the last room, they had these actors enacting all of the ghouls in a disco. And I walked into the disco and they were all dancing to Love Will Keep Us Together. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't a Beatles song, but that iconic image will always stay with me. And as I was hearing you talk about The Bride of Frankenstein and your love of rock music, all of it came back to me.
0: <laughs> no, no one has ever uh, brought up the way they... Um, made that monster mash with the Beatles in the same way before, but that sounds like a great place. I wish I, is it still around? I would have loved it. I, do. I don't think it's still
1: around. You know, it was a wax museum. And uh, so it was, but it was so much fun. I was 17 when I went through it and it was just so much fun because I also loved horror movies. There was on Saturday night, uh, we had this spook theater. Uh, now we have Sven Guli. I don't know yes. if you can get him,
0: uh, yes, but uh, and you, are you a fan of him? Love Sven Guli, and I'm still to this day waiting for his top ten list for my for my uh, horror book. He promised it, and it never came. But someday. Well, you know, and I and I
1: saw you know just recently you were on Lisa Welchel's show, uh, yes. you know, because uh, you know her uh, classic corner. And you were lucky enough to get her in your Beatles book. Yes. Um, And, you know, so all of these
0: worlds of uh, classic culture just come meshing together in your world. Well, I, I know we celebrate and share the love of pop culture. So whether it's horror, whether it's the monkeys on the collector's call show or the Beatles, it's all really cool because it's not just, you don't have to love those genres in my books. It's, All the other, uh, you know, actors and rock stars and music people and pop culture icons who I look to to give me their lists so that I can showcase them in my books. And it's, you know, it's everyone from famous people to little known people. But if you pick it up and you go through the book, you go, oh, my gosh, wow, Ruth Buzzy gave me a a horror list (laughs) or Lisa Welchell gave us a Beatles list. It just really I think it makes people very happy. I mean, there are moments in your book uh, that
1: I, you know, I, I want to, I'm all over the place. I know this, but, course, but your book is all over the place. I'm all over the
0: place with this book.
1: <laughs> but uh, when I, uh, I'm going to give a spoiler, just one spoiler, because I want everyone to get the book. But when I read uh, in your book uh, the Dick Cavett section, mm-hmm. uh, and he mentioned uh, having, um, was it uh, that he had um, George, uh, Uh, Harrison on the show. And uh, then he had mentioned that John Lennon and Yoko Ono had been on the show. Right. Uh, Well, read the book because the reaction
0: (laughs) made me laugh out loud. So great. And Dick Havitt's chapter, I mean, his top 10 list, it's up there with the best of them. And I love what he puts at the end. He puts, and these are the stories I can tell because he must have some other great stories that he uh, couldn't fit to print.
1: Now I am. I'm not. You know. I don't go into that realm of gossip. But has he shared any of those stories privately with you?
0: He hasn't. You know. And Dick Cavett is a guy who I've been trying to get to do interviews. I've been trying to get him to come to Beetle festivals or conventions where I can interview him on stage, where I know I would get that out of him. But no, I was happy enough just, you know, he's a, he's on a, the a top of the list for me. Uh, so to get him in the book was just a real joy. It's funny you mention a wax museum because I sent you a picture of myself as a kid. And I don't know. I, I grew up in the Bronx. So now there it is. There it is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the Beatles or it's just for uh, – Four ghouls that they put wigs and costumes on. (laughs) Where where is this? (laughs) There used to be some wax museum in New York, and my parents took me there. And I I bet there was also monsters and, and, and President Kennedy and who knows who else was there. I certainly don't remember. Had it not been for finding that picture in a stack of photos of my parents, I didn't even remember that I ever went there or held a guitar with the Beatles. So what it does, is it validates my um, Beatles, you know, uh, credibility because it shows that, you know, even as a young, chubby little uh, kid, brat, whatever I was then, there I was, you know, holding a guitar and wanting to be one of the Beatles.
1: Well, everyone who watches my show on a regular basis, they know that I always go back. I always ask my guests for a picture of them at five years old. Mm. Um, and I always ask for that five year old self because the five year old self to me is the purest self. That's before life begins to tell you who you should be or who you shouldn't be. And there I am, because I'm a big thing, uh, I'm numbers I mean, uh, are always resonating in my head. And on page five of your book, uh, page 14, that's yeah. applied in numerology, uh, on page 14 of your book was this <laughs> picture. And I said, that's perfect. And I asked you to send it and there you are. And what I love about this picture is it combines both of your loves. It does. And you even mentioned this, you know, there is the Beatles on the wall and there you are with your monsters.
0: I'm, I'm four years old, I think, um, in my pajamas. It's my room and uh, it looks like it's on the bed. I laid out all my monster models. In those days, there was these Aurora uh, model kits, which I loved building. And then right behind me, Shocker of shocks. I mean, I, I, if, if I was brilliant enough, I would have superimposed more uh, you know posters of the Beatles. But that was the one that my parents let me put up. I love that picture. And there it is, combining both my loves, the monsters and the Beatles, with me <laughs> doing the, the Frankenstein pose. I, I love it.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to ask your age, but I think I'm a little older than you are. Um, but uh, do you remember the first time that you saw the Beatles?
0: It was the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. It's really funny because when when I was doing the circuit and talking about the horror movies uh, and the book of top 10 horror list, I, I was admitting the first memory in life was seeing uh, Bride of Frankenstein with my mom. The first memory. And then as I'm writing the Beatle book, I'm like, wait a second. Ed Sullivan might have come before that. Okay. That works for promoting the Beatle book. I really don't remember which was first, but my first memories in life were uh, the Ed Sullivan show, seeing the Beatles. I I was staying up every Sunday anyway, because we love the acrobats and the jugglers. And I couldn't wait to see Topo Gijo, who was the little, you know, the mouse who said, good night, Eddie. And I would love that. But when the Beatles came on, it was like my whole world changed at that age. My whole world changed. You know, well, and I have a
1: trivia question for you. And, I'm, and, I've, and I and I'm. hope I, you've got the answer for this. Okay, I want on. to put you on the spot here. Do you know who else was on the that show that night?
0: Davy Jones was part of the cast of Oliver. He was the Artful Dodger. And he's backstage and he sees the girl screaming. And he sees the Beatles reaction. And he goes, that's what I want to be. Yeah, Davy Jones was in the and cast. someone else? Um, um, Helen Shapiro, I don't know who else, uh, was it? Oh, Mitzi Gaynor, right? Yes, yeah, you know, Mitzi Gaynor is a friend of mine,
1: and uh, she tells this great story that she called her agent. She said, Who's who else is going to be on the show? And he said, This group called the Beatles, yeah. And she said, Great, nobody knows who they are. <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's in her dress um, she's backstage and she hears this roar. And she thought that the building had exploded.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: she said this roar just went through. And, and she just, like, jumped when she heard it. And she said, what happened? And they said, the Beatles are on stage. And she, of course, watched them from the wings. And she said, oh, my God, that's it. Nobody will ever remember I'm on this show. And mm-hmm. she said, of course, at that moment, life changed. Life changed. And it, it was just, and it was at that pivotal moment that I think that, Everything in, in America changed as well as far as music and everything. And there's a great moment in your book that uh, is also uh, with Cousin Brucie, which I love the story that he tells.
0: I don't want to uh, give it away. It's one of like, there's a handful of stories that really make this book special. Don't worry,
1: I'm not giving it away.
0: But we can say that it was um, a conversation that Cousin Brucie had with John Lennon at Shea Stadium. And it's like, wow. Right. It's really historic. Um, I'm, I'm really proud. I, I, I don't know if I reached out to Mitzi Gaynor for a top 10 list. I know that in 2014, we were doing a 50th anniversary of the Beatles and we tried to track her down to see if she wanted to just come out and come on stage and welcome one of the Beatle bands or something. I I don't remember, or or if I did reach out to her for the book, but I knew I couldn't get through to her. So I, 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 it's too bad we didn't know each other then, but, um, I think Cousin Brucey's list is really special because, God bless him, still on the air, still on WABC in New York doing his, you oh,
1: know, Saturday
0: night oldie show and his uh, his recollections. You know, there's some of the people in the book went beyond just giving a top 10 list. People think, oh, top 10 list. All right, so we're going to hear their top 10 favorite songs. No, it's Cousin Brucey's, you know, top 10 memories regarding the Beatles. Larry Kane, who uh, was a journalist who toured – With the Beatles on their first American tour, he tells his top ten concerts that were mind-boggling. Why those stood out from the rest? So those were the ones that I think that I'm more proud of in the book. The ones that thought out of the box, you know, and didn't give just a typical list. The typical lists are good. We're not putting those down, but the ones who did beyond, you know, beyond the call of duty really shined. Well, I'm going to get to the book in a few moments, but I want to know.
1: I mean, there's so many aspects to you, Charles. I mean, it's amazing. And Pam Singer, thank you when Pam suggested this show. And, but you've, when I see that, you know, you do these incredible tours, uh, the Liverpool tool, tours that you do, and also the haunted tours that you do in Connecticut, and all these things, you've got this love of, of all of this coming together.
0: Where did all of this begin for you? It began with the Beatles. You know, I think that when people saw the Ed Sullivan show, if if they were a gal, they wanted to marry or sleep with a Beatle. If they were a boy, they maybe wanted to sleep with a Beatle, too, or become a Beatle. You know, you th- but there's no school. You can't. Beca- hey, I want to you know, go to college. I want to be a Beatle. So what do your mind thinks? What can you do? And I wasn't musically inclined. I try to play guitar. No luck. Uh, Try to play accordion. No. So what did I do? I used to sit in front of a mirror and I would lip sync songs forever at 5, 6 a.m. radio. I'd know the words to every song. I'd act them out. I'd lip sync it. And that actually catapulted into a career since I've been in uh, high school, college. I've been one of these guys who does, you know, the weddings, the bar mitzvahs, the school dances, a party DJ, Mm -hmm. but not the one who stands behind the turntable and just plays it. I'm in the crowd. I'm acting out the song still. If I put on Diana Ross and the Supremes, I'm Diana and I'm acting out Stop in the Name of Love. You know, so that's always been uh, my main thing. That's my main thing. That's what I do. That's how I earn a living. Now, somewhere along the line, I said, wow, wouldn't people love to go on a Beatle tour where they can visit Abbey Road, Penny Lane, Strawberry Field, all these amazing places. And I hosted a tour, which, you know, started out as maybe just me getting a free vacation and then grew to, you know, thousands of people have gone on my tours. This year is our 40th anniversary of bringing fans to London and Liverpool. And we're going inside Abbey Road Studios to record a song, which is so special. But then one of my buddies says, what else do you love, Charles? Can't you do other stuff besides, you know, a Beatles tour? I go, well, I'd love to go to Transylvania and see Dracula's Castle, but I don't think that's possible. We sat down, (laughs) we did the research, found a tour company. Now, mind you, there had been other examples of tour companies which brought people who who were traveling through Romania to Dracula's castle, but they were more of no disrespect senior citizen tours where you get up at eight o'clock, you have breakfast, you do a little sightseeing, you have your, your dinner at five o'clock and you're done. That was it. One day, two days. Well, I made it a week, a, a, a week of terrors, you know, and turned it into a whole vacation where each day we went to a different place. Each night we did a different event, whether it was a. And it's a, a real
1: success if you have a heart attack a week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Dracula tours, oh, it's going to fade. I can't. Yes. Oh, yeah. The Dracula tours to Transylvania. This is our 25th year of bringing people to Transylvania, and just so much fun and so successful. You know, there's so many businesses, no matter how great you are, whether you're the best restaurant in the world, you're still going to get that one-star review. If you got the best talk show on the planet, there's that one yuckle who's going to just, you know, put you down. I am so blessed that in the years that we've been doing the Beatle tours and the Dracula tours, I don't want to jinx it, but 100% satisfaction to the point that I still exchange Christmas cards with people. We're still in touch on Halloween. And, and, you know, there's Beatle events. Hey, Charles, did you hear about this? And it's built up a nice network. So in my second act here where I've started to do some books, well, Guess what? All these people went on my tours, bought copies of the books. The books.
1: Well, you say, you know, right in your introduction that with everything that you are, that you are first and foremost a promoter. And yeah. I will say this when you send the book to me. And thank you very much, by the way. Uh, you sent cards for the other things that you're working on. And I appreciate that as well. And, you know, because that's I, it's all about promoting yourself. And you, one of the other things that you mentioned about and I know doing what I do doing this this is hard work. Uh, a lot of people think that you just turn on a switch and you sit down and you do this. And I know that you've had this magazine celebrating the Beatles. Uh, the magazine
0: was how many years? Almost 20 years of putting out six issues a year. And I got to tell you, Rich, I felt, and I say this in all my interviews, I felt I was putting out a book every other month. I said, I'm never going to do a book in my life, you know. But COVID changed that. But um, but I'm loving not only putting out the books, because when you get that book in your hand and you smell, it's such a satisfaction. But you know, all these years I've been in the convention business, going to events, working with celebrities, and um, now I'm on the other side of the table. This is such a joy. Uh, mm. This week, this weekend, I'm at the Chiller Theater Celebrity Expo in New Jersey, um, and I'm there with Melanie. You know, one of the great singers. Ah she's a sweetheart and she's uh, she's going to be next to me in a table and I'm repping her but I'm behind the table people're going to say hey charles will you sign your book for me what this is a, you know I'm a fan first to, to be on the other side and to have that you know bit of an accolade it's 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 a great it feels good it really feels good and there's a richard there's a whole another world you don't know about where I'm one half of a team called the shaman and the showman i'm the showman i work with a psychic this guy is the real deal. We go to um, uh, uh, paranormal locations and uh, and out the uh, you know the ghosts and the spirits. We do paranormal conventions in Connecticut, and we're working on a series that'll hopefully be on TV someday. But he's the real deal, you know, clairvoyant, exorcist. Real. I'm the guy who doesn't believe it. I'm the the you know the showman. I'm the one pumping it up, yeah. The skeptic, and it's, it's it makes for a great team. And we've been really successful. When working in- with him, are you still a skeptic? Because I believe
1: I'm, I'm a believer, so
0: That's a great, that is a great question. Though know, things happened to me through the years that I just dismissed as oh, you know, strange occurrences, you know, whatever. Um, which now makes sense as to why they happen, but he'll take me into a haunted opera house, it's been abandoned for. 50 80 years I don't know whatever and he says charles take a picture take that take a picture in this area i'm feeling i'm feeling cold i'm feeling oppressed i'm feeling something okay i roll my eyes take 50 pictures and sure enough in one of those pictures no other pictures for no reason there's two nosferatu like specters le- levitating across the room it, it, and it's we capture it on film so i have to be a believer now Because he proves it to me every time we go out. He feels it. He sees it. I shoot the camera and somehow capture it. That's amazing. Well, how did the first book come about? It came about, you know, because as as horrible and as miserable and we have lost so many people over COVID, it was a great time for me. I was home with my family. We're watching horror movies. We're going out on walks. We're, we're, We're isolating. We're doing everything the right way. They go to sleep at the witching hour. They're asleep at midnight. I'm pumped. I, I can't be doing conventions. I'm not booking bands. I'm not doing tours. I'm going out of my mind with you know create creative juices flowing. You know how it would be. You would feel the same. Uh, and I think wait a second. Back a few years back, and I'm talking to probably 2010. I produced a convention called Rock Con. It was the weekend of a hundred rock stars, which I thought was going to be the new Comic-Con for rock and rollers. And I had a hundred celebrities there who I became friends with most of them. And at the time, I had an online horror newsletter called National Horror Happenings, where I would do a review of a film. I'd give an update of what films are coming out. And it was just my little fun thing to do. And for some reason, I hit upon doing a top 10 list once a month. Once a month, I'd throw out a list by a celebrity. And it got 10 times the, you know, eyeballs and clicks than a regular article would. And I'm thinking, whoa, let's keep doing these to the point where I had about 50, 60, maybe 70 of these lists on a database that I'd forgotten about until COVID hit. And I thought, wait a second, I can do something with these lists. If I add 20 or 30 more, I could do a book with all these great Top ten lists from all these actors and horror people and and rock and rollers, many of who aren't even still alive. Karen Black, you know, comes to mind. Great actress. Uh, Lou Asner gave me, you know, these people gave me their top ten uh, horror lists, and I'm thinking this this is this is just being wasted sitting on the shelf. So now everyone else is at home, right? Everyone else is uh doing that same uh, COVID safety thing. So they got time. They're not in films. They're not touring. It was easy to get those 20, 30 more lists, put it to bed, sent it to a publisher who loved it. A Bear Manor Media said, this is right up your alley. They love pop culture books. Um, It took about a year to come out. So by the time COVID was ending, it came out and I was ready to hit the road, you know, flying and promoting it. Um, Fortunately, I do so many horror events and conventions and tours that I already had a built-in audience for the book. And once I got that itch, the one that followed it was True Ghost Stories of Connecticut, because I was so uh, deeply involved with now the paranormal. And I thought, wait a second, I'm meeting all these paranormal people. They've all had that one unbelievable experience. Everyone knows about the places in Connecticut, but they don't. No experiences that people had at these places, so that was sort of my twist on it. And I put a book out, um, and it's, it's actually uh, it's outsold the horror book, um, True Ghost Stories of Connecticut. And I said, Everybody was Charles, when why isn't there a Beatles book? You're a Beatles guy as much as you're oh, this horror guy. Where's the Beatles book? And I kept saying, Prior to that, it's all been written, right, Richard. I thought every book that could be out there was already out there. I I, I can't keep up with anything that no one's ever done on the Beatles, except the top 10 celebrity list. It was so successful. I want to ask you, where did the, uh,
1: first of all, you had this idea. uh, And I, uh, my brain operates crazily, but I'm seeing like a whole series of books coming out for you now. (laughs) It's not going to stop here. Uh, I'm going to put pressure on you. Uh, So. uh, did this just, uh, everyone's asking you, write a book about the Beatles. You're going, it's been done, it's been done, it's been done. Even though you've done a book about horror films, yeah. when did the spark hit you? Wait a minute, top 10 book about the Beatles. So well,
0: hit you? Yeah, I was playing with the idea, but thinking with the top 10 horror list, I already had 60, 70 in place. Do I really want to put in that kind of work and try to get a hundred celebrities for this book? And it, it seemed a little daunting, but the challenge was there. It was in the back of my mind. And Stuart Hirsch, who's this dear friend of mine, who goes to all the horror conventions and celebrity shows and bring guests. He's really good at finding guests who people haven't seen in years. Uh, he did a Perfect Strangers reunion. He did, uh, you know, he does that kind of stuff and stewart said where's the book of top 10 beatle lists and i said all right Stuart, you're going to get the credit for it but i'm going to do it what i didn't know is that while i was at a, when i hit about 50 of them i said look will you still need me will you still feed me when i reach 64 when i'm at 64 <laughs> and when did, and when did the beatles invade america 64 four, four." So that was the magic number. I said, you know, I'm going to hit 64. Of course, I hit 64, and then a few more trickle in, and I'm like, no, no. I so maybe someday there'll be a sequel to the Beatle book. And and if I do, maybe I'll do Bride of, the book of top 10 horror lists. That's good. Um, but but right now, um, I actually have a discography, a, a really uh, intense book on the turtles, Happy Together coming okay. out uh, at the end of the year, and that's being co-authored with someone else, and I see what you're saying. I should do a series. It should be the book of top 10 Star Trek lists, the book of top 10 monkey lists. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if celebrities can go there the way they can go to Beatles and horror, but who knows? Maybe- i be maybe not-
1: surprised. I, now, this- I love- <laughs> I love this picture.
0: Who is that? Who is that cute guy?
1: <laughs> I think there's a lot there, you know, so oh uh, but I, what, you, what's your process? I mean, did you just send out a lot of uh, requests at once or did you sit down and uh, put your own top 10 list of people that you wanted to be a part of the book? How did you go about compiling your list of what you wanted the book to
0: look like? That's a great question. So for the Beatles book, I, I went back to the well a bit. You know, I I contacted some of the same people. I mean, one of the big numbers in my in my horror book was William Shatner, and he's covered Beatles songs. And I said, ah, this is a definite, couldn't get them. Uh, so there was a lot of people who were in my horror book who I couldn't get for the Beatles book, and it was very, you know, disappointing. But some of the ones who were in my horror book who, who were surprises to me were a natural for the Beatles book. Pete Best, the drummer before Ringo, was in the horror book. Of course, he was in the Beatles book. So a lot of the ones... Butch Patrick, What's that? Butch Patrick was yes. in both. And he's as big a Beatle fan as he is a horror fan. Yeah, great one. Butch Patrick. You t- I
1: mean, You also, I mean, t- tell the story that, I mean, the Beatles visited the set of The Monsters. And uh, Butch, pa- but, well... Uh, again, I don't want to give we'll you a tell,
0: We'll tell that story. Which yeah. Patrick was, you know, as a kid, he was on The Monkees' show. He was in one of their episodes. I think it was a Christmas uh, episode. And uh, he was, at that age, he already loved all the rock and roll and was a huge Beatles fan. But as luck would have it, the day that they came to visit the set, he was not on the set. And there's no pictures of it. I said, I, I, are there any pictures of... Herman, Lily, Grandpa, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. I mean, wow, what a picture that would make. There's pictures of John Lennon visiting the Happy Days set with Henry Winkler and Donnie Most and those guys, um, and they're proud of that. Once, they, once that picture finally hit the um, social media, they all shared it. They were all excited that they came about. I mean, he, I'm sure Butch would love to see it, but it's said, Yeah, he wasn't at that, but that's in the book as one of the stories he tells.
1: I've had the good fortune of interviewing Yvonne DiCarlo's son. Uh, And, uh, you know, and he's got some very interesting stories about uh, her life way beyond, you know, the Munsters. An incredible career beyond that, Um, you know, and and almost a tragic uh, uh, career as well. Her husband uh, was one of the extras on the film. Uh, He was a stuntman and uh, was uh, almost killed working on the film uh, How the West Was Won.
0: Wow, and,
1: uh, you know, and was pulled off of one of the horses, and uh, a stampede. You know, pretty much made him a paraplegic, and uh, she had to work the rest of her life to support the family, and it was just a tragic story. You know, so, uh, but these stories are just so I- interesting when the worlds do, uh, you know, come together like this. But William Shatner, I mean, was that your holy grail i want to i'd love to put i've got like a top 10 list of things i want to ask you like your top 10 holy grails uh with both books
0: yeah i think shatner was the the top 10 you know because he's so genre it's not just star trek he's been in twilight, twilight, Zone. twilight zones and and alfred Hitchcock presents and, and all every possible you know thing uh I think Empire of the Ants might have been one of the horror movies he was in and uh, The Devil's Reign. He's been in a bunch, Uh, not all ones he's proud of. But anyway, he uh, he was the yeah, he was my holy grail of that. You know, when you say who's in the book, sometimes. There's so many ones. And it's really weird that I'll go to like an obscure one because I was proud to get that one. Um, But yeah, Shatner for the horror book. For the Beatles book, it might be Dick Cavett because that air of classiness, that, you know, reverence that we have for him, even though having a Beatle, you know, Pete Best, my gosh, having John Lennon's sister, having Paul McCartney's stepmom, you know, there's so many people who were related to the Beatles. See, that works on two levels. You know, the horror book worked because there was, a lot of celebrities, and a lot of horror stars. The Beatles book has a lot of celebrities, but a ton of people who are associated with the Beatles, you know, relatives and people who worked with them and knew them and all that. But what you pointed out is something that I hope doesn't get lost. And that's that it's not just a top 10 list book, that it gives so many stories and anecdotes and memories that if someone picks it up, Wow, I would never expected this out of a top 10 book list. Yeah. There's a library that I recently contacted because I do a lot of library appearances and I said, "Um, I'd love to come in and I have a presentation and then it's interactive with the crowd and then I do a book signing." And when they said, "The book of top 10 what? No, we don't do top 10 lists." And I said, "All right, I can't argue with you. Unfortunately, they're mis- missing out on a great presentation."
1: Well, again, like I said, you and I are in the same age range. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned doing this, we, we reach out to a lot of people and we get, you know, for every yes that we get, there are an equal number of no's that we get. And uh, it all boils down to either yes or no. And you get surprised by those yeses. Yeah. And I'm sure that as those yeses start to come in, you don't, you don't know what you're going to be getting sometimes. So is these... Uh, I mean, what was the format? Did they type everything out and send it to you? Was it sent to you through a Zoom format? How did they get these this back to you? And I just have to get your reaction. For example, the Dick Cavett chapter, which mm. is incredible. Everyone get the book uh, for that alone uh, because those moments that he describes – And you're absolutely right. These stories, you must have jumped off of your chair when you read that.
0: I did. I did. I'm like, wow. Uh, With Dick Cavett and with the first ones I reached out to, it was basically uh, a paragraph. It was, dear, you know how much I love you. You know, you know, I've been in touch with you in the past. Uh, I'm working on a project that I'd be honored for you to be in. And I describe the project and I open it up. It could be this. And I do a laundry list, top 10, this, top 10, this, you know, songs, albums, uh, memories, whatever you want. And I felt that in doing so, the ones who were going to do it did it instantly. And others might have perceived it as homework. Others might have seen it as, wow, this is too overwhelming. I got to come up with something brilliant. I, if this is going to be in a book with you know for posterity, I can't just do ten songs and give a few. So some you know found that as 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 a little bit of a challenge, <clears throat> and then I realized that it might have been easier at conventions and in locations to give them that cover sheet, but a but a sheet of paper that had ten lines. Number One, two, three, Four, and that actually made it easier for them. uh who's the actor um who played the soup Nazi on Seinfeld? uh He gives me a list in the book. He was at a convention, no, 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 no he no, he didn't say no list for you. He said- <laughs> He said, leave it to me. I'll go home in the the hotel room or at night and I'll write it out. Gave me a horror list and a Beatle list the next day. Amazing, you know? So a lot of it helped when I was doing that. But then there were a few. Uh, Mark Hudson, who's Ringo, producer producer of Aerosmith, said, Charles, you know, I love to talk. When we have coffee someday, we'll sit down. I'll give you my list. Two years later, (laughs) we're both, uh, guests at a beatles festival beatles on the beach in delray florida I said mark we're sitting down we went to a coffee shop with there two hours i recorded all his stories his stories could have been a whole 200 page book wow. the hardest part was editing it um but then there were some that you know said charles I, i'm not going to sit down and write this but if you call me and interview me Uh, We'll do it. And I got nice Zooms from uh, Joey Molland, who was the last surviving member of Badfinger, And Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Great chapter, great chapter. Gave me great lists in the horror book and in the Beatles book. Um, He's one of those that I'm putting on the shelf. I've got about 40 horror lists that are if I ever do this other book, I'm stockpiling. Great them.
1: Photograph of the two of you, by the way.
0: Yes, it was a Zoom meeting that you. It had. was a Zoom meeting. I did a photo capture and put that picture in the book. Yes. Uh, so you know, getting back to when
1: you um who, who surprised you that you, I mean, that you reached out to and you didn't think you would get that said yes to you right away
0: and. Okay. I want to give you I want to give you one that surprised me with the rejection because it was the nicest rejection I got. They did a handwritten letter. They sent me three signed pictures and just apologized for not doing it. And it was Lynn manuel Miranda. And that was like that would have been my that would have been my number one in the Beatle book because I saw him at the 92nd Street. Y. He was in a. a, yes. talk, one yeah. and, a and he said how much he loved the Beatles. And that the Beatles were an influence. now he's someone I would never have pitched otherwise. And you ask, how do you get in touch with those people? So I had a letter prepared for that night. I made three copies, gave it to three different people, uh, and I had an extra one in the car. When he ran out to his limo, I gave it to the limo driver. So mind you, I gave it to four. Got no response send it to his bookstore, sent it to his theater, sent it to his production company. So like Ed Asner in the first book, um, he was just one that for some reason I had to pursue, pursue, pursue. Mind you, most of them, it's just an email. If I don't get a response, I don't think to go back to it. Um, So maybe it was that many times that I pursued him that he felt, okay, this kid is really serious. I got to answer him, even if I'm not doing the list. So he, I, I point that out as one of the ones that surprised me with a, a beautiful... I think that
1: you should send him a book, copy of the book and you should say, your rejection was one of the nicest rejection letters I ever got. I hope you'll be in the sequel.
0: Where do I send it to? Which I'm going to have to send one to nine different addresses. <laughs> well, this book should be in his bookstore. But that's a great idea and I will do that. I will take your advice on that. But in the, in the um, horror book, I think it was Ed Asner... Uh, who was who was one of the joys because, you know, we think of this guy as the grumpy. You know, I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet or interview him.
1: I I, I met him uh, towards the end of his life. Yeah. He actually, he did a reading that I went to um, that about and believe it or not, it was a comedy uh, that was written for him about prostate cancer. Oh. And but it was a comedy. Right. And uh, you wouldn't think that there would be anything funny about that, but he he made it funny because it was Ed, Ed Esner and only mm-hmm. he would get away with that. But uh, I it was the seeing him on stage and meeting him afterwards, very nice man, you know, as you know,
0: so nice. Well, it, it, his list was unique because he was one of those ones that I did a similar thing. I sent it first, I had a home address. Got no response. Sent to his manager, no response. His PR person, no response. And then what I did is I didn't do this with anyone. Even bigger. I don't understand why I did this. I guess once you get this thing in you, you know, you have to follow every possible way. I sent flowers, candies, and a letter. Uh, He was on Broadway. I did get a response afterwards. And the response was a postcard with his photo. And it's him pointing like this. And I put it in the book. And he says, you do better research or you can track someone be- down better than Scotland Yard. Here's my top five list. You know horror better than I do. You fill out the other five. <laughs> <laughs> I, printed, I printed the card as is. And uh, that was, yeah, that was a nice, a nice tidbit for the horror book. Did your process change at all for the second book from the first book? I mean,
1: uh, the first book, I mean, you, it's a learning process. Uh, but
0: does it change at all with the second book? I realized that if I'm sending a guitarist this request, that instead of making it open-ended, I should be more specific. So in, his, in the case of Elliot Easton from The Cars, Rock mm-hmm. and Roll Hall of Famer, his list was the, his favorite Beatle, Middle Eights, The Bridges in the Songs. And his list is amazing. So, at, at the point where I thought I might not have enough lists, I started getting more specific with my request to the individual people. That's you know, an
1: amazing section, also, by the
0: way. His section was great. And I think the number one in there, off the top of my head, and I hope I'm not wrong, was this boy. And Len, when Lennon does, oh, and this boy, and it really rocks in it and it's raspy, he got that right. Uh, Elliot Easton, kudos for that. Um, Uh, 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 But the process did change because I was starting to realize that some people will never, ever, no matter what, put the pen in hand, write it write out a list. And that's when I started doing a few of the Zooms and the StreamYards and the interviews that were necessary to get a conversation. Because once you have it discussed, it's easy to transcribe it. it's easy to transpose it onto a piece of paper. But yeah, that was the biggest change from the first book to the second book. And also, I I took it easy on myself. I didn't do 100. I did 64. 64. Well, obviously, I mean, you've
1: lived, eaten, and breathed the Beatles on, on your entire life. Doing this book, was there anything that you learned that you didn't know?
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. All those... All those stories of those, you know, backstage at the concerts from Larry Kane, cousin Brucey's story just blew me out of the water. And I, I'm guessing it's been out there before. It has to have been in his book, in other books. But I always knew the famous story of um, the St. Christopher medal that Ringo had lost, and and cousin Brucey took it upon himself to do a call out all over New York and it was found and it was returned to Ringo and I heard that story ad nauseum I knew that story like the back of my hand but to hear the story of you know him and John uh, you know in the dugout or backstage at Shea was that was one I thought how did I not know that yeah, there was a ton of those how did I not know that from then
1: I'm not going to give it away because you got to get the book everyone but the the cousin Brucey story it gave me chills yeah. I mean because to imagine I mean and that moment of the Beatles at Shea Stadium was a life-defining moment for these men, uh, and they were so young, and everything, everything was coming together at that moment. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and I, when I say everything, I mean everything—hopes, fears, you know, everything you've been dreaming about. Sure. Um, and, and I can only imagine. I mean, you and I both. You know, we have hopes and dreams, everyone watching this show, uh, and it all coming together in that one
0: moment. The stars aligned, though. The stars aligned. I mean, you know, to, to get this, those four individuals who had that, that kind of charisma, that kind of humor, the looks didn't hurt, the haircut certainly helped. But the songwriting, oh my God, it's just mind boggling. And it, to this day, To this day, I I mean, you know, you can argue the Elton Johns and the Billy Joels and the Rolling Stones and the Elvises and this and that. You can go on. And I agree, they're all phenomenal. But something about, you know, those three M's puts the Beatles above. It's the music, the memories, the nostalgia factor, and the magic, the X factor, which they had uh, just forever.
1: I have to ask you, I mean, and you've heard it all. I mean, what do you think uh – William Shatner's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> what do you think is the strangest cover that you've ever heard of any Beatles song?
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, there was the flying, there's the flying lizards version of money, which was a Beatles cover. You know, Barrett strong originally did it on Motown and that's pretty strange, but I bet if you pick up uh Uh, 15 Beatle tribute cover album things, there's going to be that one that's like, what? Where did that come from? Off the top of my head, you know that for some reason, the Flying Lizard songs hits me. Most of the tributes, you know, people would say, oh, did you see that Beatle band? They really suck. They weren't as good as so-and-so. I go, guys, there's no, they're doing Beatles music. All right. They're not perfect, but it's Beatles music. It can't suck. Um, So most of the time, if I'm hearing a cover, it's really got to be out there for me to think. Oh, this is abominable! You know, most of them have their own little little joys within.
1: Well, I'll tell you, and, you, and I'm sure I don't know if you've ever heard it. Mrs. Miller doing <laughs> Yellow Submarine. Have you ever heard it?
0: I love it. Come on, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's <a> joy. It's <laughs> have you heard it? Of course I heard it. I have it in my collection of novels. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's even an episode
1: um, of Golden Girls where Dorothy ends up
0: with one of the uh, Beatles uh, from Beatlemania. Yeah, it's so true. She was obsessed with the Beatles. It's funny because you think back, there was an episode of Joni Loves Chachi where Mitch Weissman, of course, played. uh, And then the the show that was on for a while, which was up against Saturday Night Live, it was called Fridays. Yes. It had um, uh, Michael Richards, uh, Melanie Chardoff. Melanie Chardoff, who's been on the show. Uh, but it also had um, uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. What's his face? Larry David. Larry David. Now, Larry David, uh, This the, the skit was he was the fill-in for John Lennon. Of course, they were all alive at the time. So you had uh, Jimmy Poe, who played Harrison on uh, in Beatlemania in L.A., Mitch Weissman, all the three original guys, plus Larry David. With At that time, he had the most ridiculous hairstyle. He wasn't uh, head-shitting as much or, or as bald as he was. And he's just the most annoying guy in the in this. If you can YouTube it, it's hysterical. Larry David with the three lookalikes. But yeah, uh, the Golden Girls had a Beatle. Uh, wasn't one of the mania guys, but someone who, who pulled it off pretty well. Joni Loves Chachi did. A bunch of those shows did. And that even harkens back to the days of I Dream of Genie and uh, Gilligan's Island and the Munsters. They would always have that Beatle-esque band on whether it was Chad and Jeremy or the Standells who would come on and for really Batman, I think had one too. No reason. They played their song. They were so embarrassingly incorporated into the plot and then they left. You know How did a, how did a rock and roll band get to Gilligan's Island to do a show and then leave? But poor Gilligan and the Skipper and, and they, they were all stuck there no matter what.
1: Well, I'm going to bring up a photograph, and I want you to tell us the story behind this photograph.
0: Okay. Oh. Look at that. And you know
1: something? You look like brothers in this picture.
0: Well, it's really funny because as the years went on, I would do anything to emulate his look. I mean, I in his later days, I had the dark hair and a shag, which people uh, I I don't call a shag anymore. You know, they call it a mullet. Uh, and yeah, I I tried to, you know, that I tried.
1: Must to- have been a thrilling moment.
0: That was the first time I met him. I I was very fortunate to meet him a number of times, mostly because I published a magazine on the Beatles and had a lot of access. That was one of the times too. Uh, The gal on the right uh, is not on my left is not Bette Midler. It's my friend Stacy who won. You ready for this for kismet, for serendipity. She won MTV's dinner with Paul McCartney contest. She sent in six, 700 postcards and, Paul was given an award. It was at the Boardwalk restaurant in London. He had played in Rio before like 90,000 people it was the largest concert in history at the time. And Paul and Linda welcomed MTV viewers from about 10 different countries. And we repped the, the United States, but that was such a valuable time for me. Um, Got to meet him, got a ton of autographs, got to spend quality time. And at that point, I was uh, publishing the Beatles magazine, Good Day Sunshine. It was my 10th anniversary, Richard, and I was preparing an audio edition of my magazine so that every subscriber would get a cassette, which would have rare material. And submissions from all my friends in the Beatle world. Well, I got to get all the members of his band to say something. And Paul also said congratulations to the fan club on 10 years. So that was, you know, oh, yeah, I've arrived. Not just meeting him, but getting him to contribute to that magazine I was putting out in audio form was very special. Now, Linda, who was in the picture, too, his wife at the time, was very, very special to me. Every time we would meet, whether it was backstage or at one of his shows or whatever, she'd go, Connecticut, Scarsdale, we're almost neighbors. She would that was her connection with us. But then she would add, "We get your magazines, we read them, we really love them." I'm like what? You know who said? I was so she always made me feel very good and in in, in many ways validated. It, it, it's it's a word that uh, that you know we use sometimes very loosely, but it applies in this case. Uh, years later, Ringo Starr auctioned off a portion of his personal collection for charity. And in one of the lots was a whole series of my magazines. So that was like, okay, great. This proves that he got my magazine. You know, I always sent it to all the guys and I would send it to Yoko and Yoko would always follow with a Christmas card or a thank you. Um, Harrison was the only one I never know if he ever got the magazines, but the other three we knew for sure because Linda would thank me, Ringo would finally showed up in his collection, and Yoko would send the the uh, holiday cards.
1: Yoko used to follow me on Twitter for whatever reason I don't know, I, and I used to and I used to say, "Is this really Yoko?" And I would get little notes from her, and it Yoko it was Yoko Ono, so that was my only connection, uh, you know. But uh, with Everything that's, I mean, what, I mean, what surprises you the most about Charles Rosene? What surprises you that you, I mean, because I, I am a real strong believer that we manifest and we create these lives for ourselves, that you've created this life, that you've done all this and, you know, these connections that you've made for yourself, what really surprises you the most about yourself?
0: That on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday mornings. I go to this place and I play basketball and I'm the shortest guy on the court and I'm the oldest guy on the court and I still can run and have fun. And I'm blessed that way. Uh, I'm still, that surprises me. The books and the other stuff. I just, you know, I've made opportunities. I've been opportunistic and I've followed dreams. I think anyone could do that, you know, but to still have the physical (laughs) And change. also,
1: I mean, and you know, and I love this, You and you m- mentioned this in your introduction in the book, uh, you know, y- your family being together during COVID, and you're all there. I mean, what do your kids think of all of this? <laughs> They're not interested. They don't care.
0: You know what? I grew up, it was a different generation. I had... Every Superman comic book. I had uh, sports cards, Munster's cards, Adam's Family cards. Someday I said, my kids are going to, oh, they're going to love this stuff. Every Beatles, Monkey's record. I, the collections were just a ma- massive. And the kids go, yeah, no, we don't collect stuff, Dad. We can, if we want to see a picture of it, we'll look online. And it was like, oh, what did they say? <laughs> but they're very proud of me, you know. Uh, when I go out and DJ, they want to come out and DJ with me a lot. Uh, when I do the conventions, they want to be there. They want to be at the events. Um, uh, but it's what do more- they gravitate towards? Do they have?
1: I mean, is there a certain genre that they really love and collect? Items of are they collectors themselves?
0: Not collectors, but my daughter, uh, you know, was in theater for many years. She's uh, 23. She's gone on to, uh, she's a uh, candidate for uh, entertainment lawyer. So she's going to start her internship this summer the boys who started out loving baseball are now in theater. They just finished a great high school production of Beauty and the Beast. So I guess some of the entertainment part of it has trickled in. You know, we always brought them to Broadway shows growing up and always, you know, try to instill the love of the arts in them. Uh, growing up, I did I did the brainwash thing. They know every Beatles song. They know every monkey song, every four seasons. They were well trained so that now when they love whatever music's out now, they go, okay, dad, it's, not the Beatles, but listen to this, they'll share stuff with me. And that's great because when I go out and DJ, they've given me the playlist of what I'm gonna need for the next gig. So it's it's a nice family partnership in many ways. Do you
1: have a favorite album of the Beatles that's your favorite?
0: It changes. It's currently Help. And everyone's like, huh? It's not Revolver, it's not Abbey Road, it's not Sgt. Pepper. It's Help. It's such a happy album it's such a colorful album. When I say colorful, I think of the movie because Hard Day's Night was black and white and then it helped was so colorful. Um, but all the songs are, you know, winners. They didn't have to be hits. They were great. So that's the one I'm I'm, I'm leaning to. When I do my Beatle tours to Liverpool, I go on Beatle hiatus uh, two weeks before because I know I'm going to be hearing Beatles nonstop 24 hours for 10 days. So I don't listen to anything but but every everything but Beatles. Um, but right now I'm listening to Help and loving no, everything.
1: Believe it or not, prepping for today's show, I listen to Beatles all day long.
0: What that's is your favorite thing. album?
1: Oh, well, I, I like the uh, I like the White Album.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Is that why? Is that why I was hearing while my guitar gently weeps here yes, yes. too? <laughs> yes. uh,
1: I love and uh, Abbey Road, of course. You know that's the background here. Yeah. I, that, I I I'm not going to take us both off camera, but uh, uh, that background, that photograph of them, is just one of the most iconic photographs. I just absolutely uh, love this, and uh, and I pulled up like some of my favorite images. Uh, these are some of my. I love this photograph. Oh, beautiful! Uh, do you know the story behind this photograph?
0: I don't think that that's an actual background. Okay. I, I think the photo is part of a session. And they had umbrellas and they, you know, and th- this this is definitely help era. Um, but I'm not really sure what studio and what year that was. But wow, what a great image. I don't even I don't even know who the photographer is. I would love to know.
1: That's a great photo, and I love the look on Ringo's face. <laughs> just love that. This is another, and of course, I love this photograph.
0: Yeah, it's coming off an airplane, of course. Yeah. And you know, they just every time they would walk off a plane in those days, the screaming girls, the accolades, it was just, how could, I mean, no other human on earth probably experienced it to that extent. Maybe Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin uh, at the Paramount and some of the shows, maybe for Sinatra and Elvis, but uh, not even the Beatles, just the the, the the screams and the accolades were beyond and beyond. And this is
1: another one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that 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 one should have followed the beetle one where i'm uh where i'm like enveloped in beetle stuff and here i got the beatles lunch box the beatles shirt my Beatles uh, drumhead and one of the classic albums. So my- tell me about one of my favorites, Lisa Welchel. I, mm-hmm. I love Collector's Corner. I
1: mean, I'm obsessed with this show. I started watching this because a friend of mine was on who's a Wizard of Oz collector. I'm a big mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz fan. And, and then I started watching the show, and you were brought on to really appraise uh, 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 is not the right word, is
0: it? Yeah, or- assess, assess, appraise, yeah. value the monkey stuff. Um, now I knew the gal already, and I'd been to her museum, so I knew that uh, there's going to be some really cool stuff in this in this uh, collection. What I didn't know is what items they would pull out that I would have to evaluate. Mm-hmm. And some of them, no problem. Some of them are going to take a break for commercial, and I'm on the phone. <laughs> oh my God! Is it, let me look at eBay. Am I wrong? I didn't want to be way off on these. Unfortunately, it wasn't a case of looking up the values. It was confirming that I was right <clears throat> on most of them. I think I overpriced uh, one of the items. Was an eight-track tape which had autographs on it, but I didn't know whether to price it. For the collector, this was interesting because I had two schools of thought here. One of them, I could have lowballed everything and said, okay, fans, this, don't pay more than this. The other hand, I know so many people who are in the selling business who if I underprice something, they would be, Charles, how dare you? We can never get such and such for this album again. So I had to weigh that and come up with what I thought were truly accurate values of things. But the best part is that, you know, I had the four autographs of the monkeys and she uh, the gal who was the, the, the uh, collector didn't have a lot of Mike Nesmith stuff. She had a lot of the other guys. So here was an opportunity for her to have the four autographs. And the only thing I thought I would want was this one shirt, of Davy Jones that he had worn on stage and I thought well someday you know I'll have another monkeys convention I'll wear it on stage someday I'll sing in a monkeys tribute band For some reason I thought that was the thing that I needed and thank goodness she said yes because it would have been really embarrassing I've seen a few of the shows since there was a Beatles one where they didn't agree and they didn't make the swap and I and having not seen the show before because I don't get MTV a, a MeTV rather uh, I didn't know that that was going to be a big part of it and I that I could have been really uh, had you know egg on my face if she said no so fortunately she said yes and uh, interesting
1: here about the VHS uh, tape that sold uh, a couple of weeks ago a Rocky VHS uh, the movie Rocky yeah uh, sold for like a uh, over a million dollars. Why? VHS tape, of all things.
0: Why? Did the whole cast sign it or something?
1: No, it just sold. I mean, it's some some collector bought it for, it had never been opened. It was in uh, the original shrink wrap and, Everything. So we are out of time. I, this no, no.
0: Yeah, we no. We have to We talk more about Lisa Welchel. We have to talk about all the stuff we have. Yeah, I would love I to. I want you
1: back anytime. Normally, I always ask a mystery question and I laid out uh, 10 mystery cards uh, in honor of your book. So pull a number one through 10.
0: It's gotta be four because the Beatles were four. Okay. Uh, yes. the
1: question is, uh, well, it's actually a statement. Yes. And the statement is pay it forward. Uh, well, uh, give this book to someone uh, after, you know, I'm going to uh, give the book to, let's see, the fourth person, Sherry Callahan. I'm going to send you a copy of this book. Uh, maybe I can get you to autograph one and we'll send it to Sherry Callahan. Sounds good. Do that?
0: I will do that for Sherry, absolutely.
1: Okay, so I'll give you Sherry's uh, email address. And uh, Sherry actually put that her, uh, Penny Lane, All My Loving, Eleanor Rigby, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, Help, Blackbird, Yellow Submarine, Let It Be, Ta-da! Great list.
0: Great list.
1: Great. Um, don't go anywhere for a moment. I'm going to give you the final word in just a moment. Uh, everybody, please get this book. It is so much fun. The Book of Top Ten Beetle List. Um, it is so much fun. Uh, I just keep going through it over and over and over again. Um, Charles, I want you back on the show. Anytime you have anything to promote, uh, put me on your list, reach out to me, uh, call me. Uh, Pam, thank you uh, very much. I'm gonna give you the final word in just a moment. It could be about anything that we spoke about today that you wanna build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you wish uh, to leave everybody with today. As you all know, everyone, I leave every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Call your favorite bookseller and ask if they have this book on their bookshelves. And if they don't, tell them to get it. Uh, And then if they don't have it, go to amazon.com and order two copies. One copy for yourself and send one to your best friend. Uh, Pick up the phone, call your best friend and let them know how they've made a difference in your life. Have a conversation, make your own top 10 list and send it and share it with each other. Uh, It's very important that we reach out to each other and not through social media by talking with each other, making eye contact with each other when you can. So I always say that it's very important that we do that. As a dear friend says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same storm. And uh, he says, we're all in the same boat. I don't care what size boat you're on as long as you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm gonna leave the screen and Charles, it's all yours. And thank you again for being here today. It's been a great pleasure. It's Would all yours.
0: You Thank you so much for having me on. Wow, the pressure of not knowing this. This is more pressure than when I had to pick the monkey's item on Collector's Call. I have a dear friend who I haven't spoken to in a long time. Uh, I put a picture of his in the book. I gave him credit for the book. Uh, He doesn't know about the book, though, and I'm going to reach out to him. We haven't spoken in a long while, and it's time we mended ways, and I'm going to reach out and become uh, that friend that he was to me for a very long time, and I stopped being. So that's the pay it forward for being on the show and I thank you so much for watching uh, Richard Skipper Celebrates. This was just a great celebration. Thank you everybody.